<laughs> All right, good morning and welcome to new entry of the Morning Star Journal. As you can hear me attempting to play one, not exactly very good, but my attempt. So once again, welcome to another entry of the Morning Star Journal. This is Tariq, and I'd like to... um. Just see how everyone is doing today. And I want to again thank you for all who listen to my podcast and hope everyone's doing well this week. It's been uh, pretty cool this uh, last couple of days. And wouldn't you know it, also a little bit rainy. And I guess I should have changed my wipers a few days early because, of course, yesterday, the minute I do change my wipers, what happens? It just stops raining for at least the last two days now where uh, during this week it's been almost nonstop. So I got to remember that next time it starts raining, I'll change my wipers regardless of uh, how long it's been and maybe it'll make it stop raining. So today might be a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, I'm going to be going over a few uh, things I may have missed with my uh, Ratchet and Clank series. Uh, there's a couple of things I just wanted to talk about real quick. And um, the last part of it, or the second half of it, um, we're going to go over, unfortunately, the um, recent passing of Stan Lee, who is one of the um, creators, founders of Marvel Comics. And I know a lot of people probably, um, whether you know it or not, have been influenced by him in a in a way. And I just wanted to give um, my um, little memorial to um, Stanley and what he meant to me. But the first thing that I actually want to talk about is I may have missed a few things on my Ratchet and Clank uh, series when I talked about the games and everything and I'm not going to go over everything and this is mainly because I've taken over practice um, like my friend David does on his uh, podcast uh, Car Thoughts with Dave and I don't really listen to it afterwards. I kind of treat each podcast like a performance. I'll do my research and I'll you know do some practice things before it but when I actually do the, this podcast you're listening to I perform it just live. I don't um, edit it later. I don't um, add in any kind of music or anything like that. I just um, <laughs> just try to do the best I can when uh, when it comes up, uh, which is probably why it sounds pretty rambly at times. So uh, first, kind of like to finish up on the Roger Clayton session, there are three main guns that I really want to talk about. I don't know if I got to. The first one is called the Pixelator. Heard me right, Pixelator. And it came in the play, I think, in the recent one, the one that came out in 2016, the remake. And basically all it does is it actually turns the enemies into an 8-bit pixel of themselves. So they look like little blocks. And when you actually defeat them or destroy them, all it's left are little blocks rather than them either exploding or... Um, being knocked out or falling dead they actually just break up into little blocks and i always thought that was just a hilarious little um easter egg and it worked on everything so you could have fight this big boss hit him with the pixelator and for a few seconds he'll turn into an 8-bit version of the boss rather than the uh full 3d version which is kind of cool 
the next gun I want to talk about is the Morph Gun. Now, I uh, believe in the first game, it was called the Sheepinator, because all it does is turn your enemies into a sheep. But later, uh, they decided that, oh, you know, we'll do sheep for first game. And I think that was a hallmark to Spyro, because Spyro has a lot of sheeps that show up in that game. So, um, so later, I think they changed it into... Um, what was later called the morph gun and you can change it and they would change into chickens or ducks or penguins it was just always red they choose one for the whole game but it was always random on each in each game like what will the morph gun change them into this time and later when they started doing upgrades they would be exploding versions so i think the sheepinator uh, the the initial one would just turn into a white sheep that you could hit a couple of times before they either turn back or if you could defeat them. The later ones turn them into a black sheep that will actually explode. So, uh, Insomniac has a weird sense of humor, but you know I love them for it. And the final gun that I want to talk to you about is the Rhino. And it's spelled R-Y-N-O, and it stands for Rip Ya New One. And let me tell you, this gun basically did that. It was, it's this insane, I call it like missile launching type weapon that will just, no matter how many enemies you have in front of you, it will decimate every single one of them you go through bosses like it was like a snap you can hear that um once and usually they they did a pretty good job where either uh like for instance in going commando you the second version is like one and a half million bolts so to get that many bolts you're not going to get that but even though you find the vendor pretty easily like within like the third world um that you go to so it's pretty early in the game you're not going to be able to get that many bolts that early and quite frankly i don't think you can it's very difficult to even get those many bolts on your it, within your first run you probably will beat the game and then when you play it again on the harder mode you will probably get it at that point and i think that's what it was meant to be it was meant to be this kind of like um reward and in later games usually it was like a lot of little um uh, components or blueprints that you had to get plus some extra gold you have to pay later but even the blueprints would be something where you'd have to get all the gadgets that you um that you see through the game uh to get every piece of it so it was one of these like end all like once you got it it was the uh, was it um the bfg of doom or what have you in other games this thing decimated and in the later versions they even had it play music so it plays like the 1812 overture while you're blowing stuff up and sometimes you'll see fireworks and it is the most insane uh weapon of the game and trust me and they even give you like almost like a thousand rounds so trust me you're not gonna be running out of it anytime soon and you're destroying everything in its path um the last thing i want to talk about ration clank is a quote that is on one of the posters and it really means a lot to me now the poster just to kind of put this in mind so if you know uh, mystery science not mystery science theater geez not that one um masterpiece theater okay so masterpiece theater i remember this when i was younger was this kind of like you would hear this um kind of 
orchestra type, you know, kind of this bum, 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 eh, whatever. And you'd have this guy who'd sit in by a fireplace in this really posh chair. And he was wearing this kind of like, you know, um, dinner suit, like kind of like maybe smoking a pipe. And you would sh- show like his bookcase where he has all like these different books or trophies and um, other kind of important knickknacks. So um, that was the masterpiece, you know, real thing that you you sometimes see on TV. So this poster, you have Ratchet and Clank sitting on this kind of, these two posh chairs in front of a fireplace. And above the fireplace are all the different weapons that that pretty much they've had in the course of the series. So you have like things like the, like I said, the Pixelator, Morph Gun, Rhino, the basic lasers, uh, Lancers, and um, Devastator, which is the missile launcher, grappling guns, his wrench, um, the Groovatron, uh, Disco Ball, all these different weapons, kind of silhouetted. And at the very bottom of the poster, it says, um, always outnumbered, never outgunned. And it's meant to be a joke because, you know, through the whole course of Ratchet and Clank, it's only you two versus basically the entire universe. So, um, in later games, you know, there's you have a couple of people that help out. But for the most part, it's always you two against the universe. So, um, you'd always be outnumbered. Anytime you go to a planet, anytime you um, get into a scenario, it's always just two against an army. But you have all these weapons, so you're never outgunned. But I kind of started thinking that maybe that, quote, goes well beyond the game. I mean, if you think about it, you're always, you know, most people, you know, you're always going to be outnumbered in the world. I mean, there's always going to be, there's unfortunately always going to be people who have comments against you or are sometimes even out to get you. And they're all, and for the most part, they're always going to be outnumbered. I mean, there are billions billions of people in the world and i don't know about your facebook friends but uh trust me i only have maybe a couple of hundred on my uh um uh, you know friends list and that pretty sound that sounds like i'm pretty outnumbered on that so i think in the way the way i always see it is that yeah in the world i'll always be outnumbered there's always going to be you know a lot of there's always going to be the numbers are going to be against me but it doesn't mean i have to be outgunned by them and I'm not talking about, you know, real guns or anything like that. You know, I'm not trying to get into that argument. But I do think that that could mean that I that they won't be able to outsmart me. Or they won't be able to outthink me. It, it almost, it what it means to me is that, yes, you know, I, I'll never be able to outnumber the people that may be against me in the world. You know, there's always going to be a lot of them out there and they're always going to multiply by what, you know, this or that. But it doesn't mean that I can, that I'll be outgunned by them. It doesn't mean that I have to be outsmarted by them. I can outsmart them with um, courses I take, with um, actually learning from my experience. Um, I can still outthink them with my 
creativity, my resourcefulness. And in some cases, I can outgun them with my resources and actually um, utilizing the tools that I have and the people I know. So that's something that I think we should take to heart is that that it's um, that when you're trying to fight these battles, you know, never worry about outnumbering your foes, but you can outgun them. You can outsmart them. You can outthink them. Uh, so the next part that I just want to talk about is, unfortunately, uh, this past Monday, we lost uh, Stan Lee. And for many of you that may not know this, Stan Lee was the creator of Marvel Comics. So all those recent characters that you've been, you know, seeing on TV from Infinity War, like Iron Man, um, Captain America, Thor, Black Panther, Black Widow, even the ones from uh, Sony. So like Spider-Man, Venom, um, and Foxes, X-Men, um, all those characters, and many, many more these were all the works of Stan Lee, along with a lot of other people like uh, Steve Ditko and uh, Jack Kirby, a lot of other artists and creators along that. But Stan Lee was one of the um, major architects, one of the kind of major pillars of that. And to lose him, although he was, you know, 95, of course, so I mean, he lived a long time lived a, and he saw a whole lot of things change within the world and within that industry and um without him it 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 really changes a lot of things it really changes a lot of outlooks now i know there's a lot of uh, videos out there that'll talk about his life and um you know a lot more um people who knew him specifically who can you know say you know they personally met him or they shook his hand or they had a conversation with him i wish i could say that unfortunately i can't but i can say that we did share the same birth date so as a fellow Capricorn, I feel like I do need to at least, you know, put something else out there for him. And I just want to talk about um, one of the characters that, or the group, I should say, and then the character that really meant a lot to me that he created. And the group would be the X-Men. Now, for those of you who don't know, and if you're listening to my podcast, I can't imagine you wouldn't know who X-Men are, but just in case, um, X-Men were a group of comic characters who basically were born with powers, rather than um, people like um, Iron Man, who created a suit, or Hulk and uh, Spider-Man, who developed theirs by accident, or even Doctor Strange, who learned how to develop these powers in a mystical city these were characters that were just born with it um one time when they're um, usually around teenagers in some cases um, younger their powers developed and when this happened um they unfortunately um face a lot of hatred and backlash for the power so the x-men were used uh quite often as a kind of allegory to um bigotry or racism um whether it be um uh, race by uh color sexuality sex religion what have you they usually stood for that kind of um uh divide and that struggle and the one character that I think that really spoke to me, at least I liked it when I was young, and when I started growing older, I started 
understanding this character a lot more and realize that this really spoke to me was actually a beast from the X-Men. Now, most people would look at me and say, you know, well, why wouldn't it be one of the major characters like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor? Um, And then some other people would even say, well, why isn't it maybe one of the African-American characters like Storm, Black Panther, Bishop, uh, Luke Cage, and so on? And although I do like a lot of these characters, um, they really didn't speak to me the way Beast did. So, a a brief rundown of kind of like who Beast is. So, the character Beast, Dr. Hank McCoy, um, when he was born, his mutant mutant power that developed was that he had over-large hands and feet, which gave him a more kind of ape-like look to him. Now, for the most part, I mean, he still looked pretty much human, um, although just a little bit more um, thick in the limbs than most humans, of course. And also, he was born with an increased intelligence as well. So, in his early years, he did try to, uh, you know, do sports and things like that, but what happened was when they started seeing his abnormally large hands and feet, he was ridiculed for them. And... Um, made fun of because of it so he decided to um, rather than you know stay in that path he decided to look to science and um, things like chemistry and engineering and became extremely smart and actually got several doctorates and once he joined the X-Men, once um, Xavier came in and joined the X-Men, he was with a group that kind of understood him a little bit better. And he was able to um, fully embrace, you know, both his uh, powers and his abilities and with a group that was also with him. But there was still a divide with him that um, they, for the most part, at least when, first, when X-Men first came around, they still looked very human even without their powers, and when they're not using their powers. You know, maybe Cyclops had to wear his red glasses, and Angel had to kind of put on a giant trench coat just to uh, hide his wings. But for the most part, they still looked human, rather than him where he didn't quite do that. And later, some of his um, later mutations, like his kind of uh, more animalistic nature, started coming out a little bit more. And what he did was... and this kind of um, getting to why I find him so fascinating is that he, instead of really embracing it, he tries to um, squash his mutant ability. And he uses his science to try to um, find that, you know, find that gene inside of it, inside of him. And he tries to, in a sense, reverse it. Um, trying to get rid of his mutation so he can be normal, look normal like everyone else. And later what happens is, unfortunately, that backfires. That backfires horribly. And when it does, he actually develops this kind of, I think initially it was like this gray fur and um, he starts growing fangs and uh, he takes a, a, true to his code name, he takes a more bestial uh, form. 
but he still retained his intelligence. He still retains his desires. And one of the things is Beast is a avid lover of arts and theater and things like that. So when this happens, of course, initially he's distraught that he tried his best to try to look normal and instead it made him look more bestial it made him look more ferocious and of course whenever they go out into normal folks um you know people take note of him more more often than anyone else the x-men they're like they point him out but to him he realized at that point that this is who he was and trying to change that made things worse. So he eventually does his best to accept it. And especially in the um, his portrayal in, um, what was it? I think X-Men Last Stand, although not a great movie, but uh, with Kelsey Grammer, he actually, like, he uh, is a dignitary. He's this um, uh, consultant with the UN. Uh, he actually wears a... A regular suit, or at least like a suit more tailored to him, but he does his best to kind of, you know, do what he wants to do, and um, he doesn't let the fact that he has this blue fur interfere with that. I mean, he'll point it out when he, um, when you know, other people will take note of it. He's like, "Yes, I am, but I'm also a doctor, and I'm also been a consultant for the UN. He's also been an Avenger, believe it or not. If you go back to the old comics, he was actually Avenger for quite a long time. So, I really appreciate the character they make in this person. That he does have this kind of bestial form that when for, when people first see it, they're like, "Oh, he must be a monster," you know. He, he probably would he's probably gonna be trashing the place and in reality he's this very sophisticated brilliant man who um is a lover of art theater and will still want to go out to a good art museum or um actually take in maybe a concert or two and it's very cool that um at least the x-men get him in that sense, they kind of know the true nature, in a sense, of the character. Whereas other people, um, you know, have this judgment of him when they first see him. And that really spoke to me a lot. Um, one of the uh, standout things I remember from the, especially the X-Men animated cartoon, was there's a, um episode where uh, somebody attacks somebody that Beast knows. And he gets extremely upset and wants to go after the, um, the it's like Friends of Humanity, which is the group. And um, Jubilee makes a comment on like, Beast is acting um, savage and it shocks her. And I always thought that was funny because despite how he looks... None of his teammates would expect him to act like that. Whereas, of course, you know, a lot of other people seeing it, it's like, oh, I always knew. But to his true friends, whenever he acted out of place, they knew something was wrong. They didn't just think, oh, Beast is just acting like a beast. Like, no, this isn't the, this isn't the, you know, Hank we know. And if he's acting like this, there's a reason. It's not just because, oh, he looks like that. No, there's something deeper going on. And they went and they got to the bottom of it. Um, that's why I think Beast, even though he 
hasn't been, I think my opinion, represented the best in at least the latest movies, um, the recent ones with uh, Nicholas Holt, and I think it's the uh, actor, but I don't know, his just portrayal is just, just doesn't do it for me, like, um, and Kelsey Grammons was pretty good, but I don't think he just had, didn't have enough time to really um, portray the character, a few more uh, movies might have helped, but um, they haven't really done a good job with it since probably the uh, cartoon series, either the X-Men animated series or even X-Men Evolution, where you actually get to see him in his more um, almost human form. He tried to change it, and then as a when he goes to his more bestial form, he actually becomes one of their um, head when he goes back to the school, basically, he becomes one of the head teachers. And they actually consult him more as a teacher. And that was another thing, is that despite his strength and his agility and his um, ability to be on the battlefield, that's not how they utilized him. They knew he had a brilliant mind, so he would be more of the strategist. He would help them with... um, you know, trying to figure out weaknesses of their um, opponents or develop a new gear to help them stop something or even, you know, work in the lab while the rest of the team like, goes out and actually does a lot of the fighting. Even though he definitely could, he can join them, he could be another fist out there, but he, that's not how they're, they wanted to utilize him. And that also shows that when you're with the right people, they'll know exactly, not saying how to use you, but where you'd be best at. Rather than the perception of, oh, you, you're you big, you must be good at, um, as a lot of times I get, oh, you're a big guy, so you must have played a lot of football. Like, you don't know me that well, because <laughs> you, know, you know I'm more of a musician and or trying to be a musician i'm an artist i'm a tech geek you know it's like a lot of other things that but the minute i you know you see my size you think oh he must be um he must have played football or he must be you know into that kind of stuff or because i'm black i must you know like a certain type of music and things like that so like I said, a lot of little things, and this is why I think, um, in my opinion, Beast is one of the greatest characters that that that's come out of uh, Marvel, and that was uh, brought along by a lot of people, but the at least basis was brought along by Stanley. So um, again, uh, Stanley will definitely miss you. And from one Capricorn to another, I uh, just want to say thank you for everything that you've done. So I want to um, close this out today um, and just say, you know, just remember, um, have a great week and, you know, and <laughs> I'm rambling now, but I hope that um, you all have, a, you know, remember the people that are around you and always don't judge and anything from this um podcast or this entry I should say you know try not to judge books by their cover you know really try to get to know people and um, you know you'll be surprised you know what you find out about people if you take a moment take the time to actually you know speak with them and find out who they are on the inside you may even find out some new things about people you that you think you already know 
But I want to say thank you for listening to me today. Again, I hope y'all have a wonderful week. And I don't have an exact song I can play to give you a clue for next week. But I will say this, though, that sometimes bad guys make the best good guys. All right. Talk to y'all later. And y'all have a good day.